coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed on Movies. I'm Teddy. And I am Matthew. And we are back, folks. We are we have made the transition of holiday seasons here. Uh, yeah, we're really jumping, jumping holidays. Yeah, jumping, just, ju- jumping right on in it. It's been a couple weeks, but you know that a we, couple. We've had we've had a busy Thanksgiving season to take care of, uh, and now we're firmly in like Christmas territory. We're ready to tackle the holidays head on, having wrapped up Halloween. Apply directly so, to the forehead. Yeah. Head on. The- Apply directly <laughs> to the forehead. Oh no! <laughs> um, yeah. So this week we're just we're we're giving you just kind of a low key breeze by of what we've seen in November and just what to look forward to as the holiday season opens up. Love that descriptor. I don't think anytime we've opened an episode with it's going to be a low key breezy flyby, it has ended that way. <laughs> Runtime three hours fifty seven yeah. <laughs> minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're going to try to keep it low key, folks. That's that's all I can promise. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we wrapped up our Halloween. We're, we, we, we finished that kind of in between period where you're not quite sure if you can start doing Christmas stuff yet. Um, okay. Well, you should take a look at my letterbox diary. I clearly (laughs) didn't have those, those qualms at all. I was watching like (laughs) fucking Hallmark movies like two days after Halloween. Yeah, I'm Um, sure. I'm sure you, you you, maybe you'll have to give us a give us the lowdown on a couple of those as well. Yeah. I've seen the Lindsay Lohan one. I know what's up. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I want to say that though because we both have to have seen that one. Yeah, We're definitely talking about that. That one. Who? Somebody. Somebody interesting is involved. With uh, that the one, de- right? detective Kakoa Shaw from Malignant is one of the stars. In okay, that well that's great. I love that Kakoa Shaw is involved, but it's somebody behind the scenes. I think that like the writer or something. Oh, let me. Uh... We discuss this. Did we? We um. Well, I, it's directed by Janine Damien, who has. I mean, I don't know anything else they've done. Um, the right. I mean, come on, come on. We, uh, one of the writers, one of the writers, also wrote a Buzzed on Movies classic. I know this. Oh, um, Ron Ooh. Oliver, Hello Mary Lou, Prom Night Two. That's and it. Ra- <laughs> That's it. <laughs> We haven't actually talked about that one on the no, pod, but we we're have. Both, we're both quite familiar. We've discussed that off pod. That is an absolutely crazy movie. Hopefully, yeah. maybe we'll talk about that at some yeah, point. The, the writer of 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 this movie definitely. Oh my god, the writer of this movie wrote two of the prom night movies and then a whole bunch of Christmas movies, <laughs> just like a whole bunch. You know, um, that's always a fun vibe. Remember who, who was Mary like, Lambert who did, um, what else did she do? God, she's another one who's done something like that. Um, she might, Oh, she might be, um, a castle for Christmas. She might've done that, but oh, she yeah. also did pet cemetery. The original. Yes. 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 Uh, and I, I was also thinking of the director of, uh, what Daniel isn't real. Who was like, uh, directing uh, a horror movie after doing like exclusively Hallmark movies. Oh Wait. yeah. Okay. That sounds right. Is it Daniel isn't real? Is that, I don't know if it's Daniel movie? isn't real because Daniel isn't real. He hasn't done much. Um, but there is, I know. No, I that's mean, not it. That's not it's, yeah. it. God damn it. Um, we're really going down a rabbit hole. Anyway, there was, a, there was a movie about like a couple trying to summon a demon. Uh, oh my God. Are you talking about, um, 
anything for Jacob. That's it. That's yeah. it. Anything for Jacob. You would have a kid's name in it. All right. Yeah. So that's anything for Jackson. That's what it is. Jackson. Jackson. Oh, okay. And yes, they, that guy, Justin G. Dick, D-Y-C-K, has done just a whole bunch of Christmas movies. You are correct. Yes. He did, okay. He did, oh my God, Christmas with a Prince. Wait, <laughs> Christmas with a Prince? <laughs> Oh my god i feel like i love christmas because she the actress from christmas with a prince was also the main one of the leads in anything for jackson and she was one of the leads in wrong turn four which is the one wrong turn that's outdoors in the snow what the fuck oh my god yeah you know hallmark vibes but make it wrong turn (laughs) oh my god and christmas with the prince is also the one that has um fucking melinda shankar from degrassi um so, uh, Ali, Ali Bandari. Oh yes. 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 Uh, so yeah. Anyway, that's always a fun vibe for a career mixing the hallmark stuff with the horror stuff. Um, but we've seen it achieve good results in the past. So I'm very hopeful for falling for Christmas. Um, <laughs> it's just me. that it's usually the reverse. It's, it's usually like you do the Christmas stuff and then jump into horror somehow. Yeah. Um, but, um, in this case, you know, we're doing things a different way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and most famous of all, of course, Bob Clark directing both um, A Christmas Story and uh, Black Christmas. Yes, but that's different because, so, the, okay, but that's like a, that's, not that's a, just that's like a director a who movie. has like certain visions, like, you know, and they both have a revolver on Christmas, but A Christmas Story is also a weird, dark, strange movie. It's not like it's like some yeah, like, no, like, it, like it's not a hallmark gentle everything is cheery it is definitely not the same thing fucking cold but i do love that contrast between like a time-honored holiday classic and like the most horrifying horror film you've ever seen that's yes i do like that yes that's very fun anyway so yeah like we're we're gonna we're gonna cover some of the stuff we've watched in november because there's a bunch of stuff coming out now the big the big stuff is still to come in december but you know, we've been starting to see a bunch of. Do you mean by the big stuff? Movies. Do you mean the big Christmas stuff? Is that what you're saying? No, I mean like the Oscar stuff, like the, the high profile movies. We're everybody is most anticipating, of course, the arrival of certain blue characters who will be dominating the box office. I wish you would December. speak for yourself. <laughs> hey, I told you about this, Matt. We have to be heavily in the bag for Avatar by the time it comes out because it's gonna. It, you got to get here early. You got to be one of the people that said, oh, I knew this was going to be a hit before it happens. We don't want to be like those people falling over themselves to apologize Sorry. for their old takes. In what, January. um, what, 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 what kind of out on a limb bullshit are you talking about here? It's the <laughs> sequel to the most, one of the most successful films of all time. It like, there's no, you don't need to be in the bag for anything. It's like, obviously like, most people think it's going to be a hit. That's like the the general consensus. I don't know. I don't. I've seen a lot of bad takes out there. It's all I'm saying. Like, well, there's, there's a lot of like, does anyone want to see this? But I think industry wise, who it's is like, this for? I think the industry is under the assumption it's going to be a hit. I'm not talking about what your average like Twitter like critic thinks. You know, um, I mean, I'm interested in what they think because they are the people who will pay to see the movie. But like, 
you know, like I think in there, so you can't be in the bag for something if the, if the industry already thinks it's going to be a hit, like everybody's in, in on it already in the industry, the people who matter. Yeah, I, so. I guess so. But, but we're, we're, we're more in the company of the Twitter critic than we are. The we sure are. People. And so, I'm, I'm skeptical of things. I will say that this movie has to like outperform the first one in order just to like do decently. Like that's ridiculous. That is an an obscene thing. I mean, that is that is going to be interesting to see how that works, especially in and a the very are not like especially compelling. I mean, maybe people don't care enough about that anymore, but they're just like they don't. I don't get anything out of them. I'm like, I don't I, know what's happening. I think they look cool, and also, I mean, we're all watching them on iPhones now. It's going to look totally different in a theater. Well, I'm not watching them on iPhones. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Do you think I've ever sought out an Avatar trailer in my life? No, <laughs> I've been subjected to it when I was in the in the cinema. I don't think I've actually seen one in the movie theater yet. I have. I don't like the first movie. I will be upfront about that. I think it is a mediocre film. So, I think in terms of spectacle, it still holds up very well. The the I, all of the, the plot, points it gets from me are technical points. The plot it, is as thin. That's as it why was it's before. like I think I but, give it like three stars, and it's all just like it looks great, it sounds great. That's nice. Story wise, acting wise, don't give a shit. I do but still like, find it an eminently watchable film, especially now that we're getting an extended world here. We're gonna find out more about the Avatar people in the next movie. I like in the trailer now when that one character's like, I see you. And I'm like, is, wasn't that the fucking song? What are we doing yeah. the song? Yeah, that was the thing. Again. I was like, oh, we're calling back to the Leona Lewis hit single that was the film's <laughs> original song. Oh, oh boy. Are we going to have to start getting fixated on that song now? Is, that... is there going to be a new original song? Is Leona Lewis singing it again? Are we she, resurrecting Leona Lewis's career? To just for this one. <laughs> Come at oh. retirement. Just Wait, was she from... retired? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure she's like our age. <laughs> just like hobbling over to the mic. She so wanted to be the next Mariah Carey. So like, you know, she tried so hard with that song. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's going to happen. It's coming out on my brother's birthday. Um, I'm excited for it. I think I think it's James Cameron is going to save cinema all over again. We're, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that's a big, yeah. big claim. <laughs> Bold. There, uh, he thinks he's gonna save save cinema. He, yeah, he he's does. for sure pretty sold. He's 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 pretty convinced that he's the only one who's ever been capable of saving <laughs> cinema. Yes, um, he recently said that uh, he thinks he'll release six to seven more movies in his career, and that half of those will be Avatar films. Uh, and that's somebody, like appalling to think. About. And somebody pointed out, like, oh, he he releases a movie like every 10 years. So that's very optimistic about his lifespan. <laughs> Extremely. I guess maybe he thinks that after he gets this one out off of him, like off his shoulders, like he can like maybe speed some things up. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like, it's so. like, it's like a monkey on your, you know, like you have to just like get it out there. Um, I do then, think that they're, they're pulling like the, uh, um, the pirates of the Caribbean thing here where they're co-producing the next two avatar movies. Yeah. I think so. That's right. The wait for the next one is not going to be as long. Unless but... this one bombs. <laughs> Unless we, we In which get... case, it will absolutely retool. Unless retool we get a divergent-sized failure, and the next one ends up going direct to video. But the thing I mean, is, because of what J James Cameron himself said, it has to like 
be one of the biggest movies of all time just to like really like make up for the the cost that was spent on yeah. it. Yeah, I think um, it has to make like three it, billion dollars. It actually doesn't need to be like a gigantic failure in order for it to not Still be get, yeah, in a, order a for a sequel to be delayed time. because yeah. of stuff. Um Correct. it's yeah. It could be like what by any other standards would be a massive success and still give them pause for what to do with the next ones. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the standard has been set at you have to make a sequel to the biggest movie of all time that is now the new biggest movie of all time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's also it's not the biggest movie of all time anymore, but um yeah, it was like, at the time. But, yeah, um, but it's a but high bar to clear. It's an extremely high bar and it's really difficult. Because a huge benefit of the first movie was, first of all, when it came out, you know, it, it had the benefit of being, you know, 2009. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was before the Marvel domination. We weren't seeing a big spectacle on that scale every other fucking like month or whatever. Yeah. Um, People weren't. It was also like 3D and stuff. As I was about now. to say the 3D thing was kind of big again right around then. Like Avengers did it and and avatar did it and like people liked it people were actually into it um it's that's not really the case in the same way anymore like people don't really want to do that um yeah and also again it doesn't have the benefit of like being just like the first of its kind to be so purely like animated spectacle driven in that way you know what i mean like it it's just it's not anymore avatar already did it like so it's not like people aren't going to say you need to see this just because it looks like it's real when it's not real you know like because that already happened. Um, like, so it, it's just, there's a lot of high bars to clear here that he has set for, he set himself up. Um, so yeah. I hope he can succeed. I want, I like when movies succeed, even if I don't like them, but um, you know, I, well, you we'll know, see. as the South Park guys say, James Cameron does what James Cameron does because James Cameron is James Cameron. So, so right. <laughs> there we go. If has anyone James Cameron can... ever had like a failure? Like, has that ever happened to him? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, he I makes mean... relatively few movies, so like, it seems reasonable that he wouldn't have. But I was yeah. just thinking, like, like I can't say I'm that aware of like the overall box office performance. But it, at the very least, his recent, um, his recent track record is very good. Right. So we'll see. Anyway, that is a discussion for next month. When we finally get the movie. Um, before we go on, uh, what are we drinking tonight? Um, well, see, I'm having some issues in my apartment and my heat is currently stuck on no matter what I do. So it's quite hot. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it's like a whole thing. Um, I'm drinking Caipirinhas um, because I'm hot and I need something refreshing <laughs> and chilly and that makes and that suits the warm that i'm feeling right now i'm literally here in board <laughs> shorts and no shirt i love so. that you're like having like a tropical paradise over there in yeah um paradise would be a November, really fucking strong December. word just like a strong <laughs> word um, um yeah, you're so you're living it up you're you're like you're having your uh in the heights moment over there hottest day of the year yeah. I, <laughs> ice cold peragua. Yeah, uh, like I um I do. Uh, I would love like a snow cone actually. Um, it's very warm. So yeah, that's what I am having right now. I do have like a brandy milk punch I can grab out of the fridge if I want it. Um, oh nice. Because I'm into brandy milk punch at the moment, and it's like it, it feels kind of wintry without being hot chocolate or something like that. Um, so because I can't do that right now because it's fucking warm. Um, right. So, right. Yeah. 
What about you? What are you? I having? am I'm drinking eggnog. You know, oh, to kick God, off so nice. the holiday season, right? It's the that. um the wine based eggnog from Trader Joe's. Um Wow. I don't know exactly what that entails. It tastes like any other eggnog. It's quite good. Uh okay, okay. It's the wait, it's wine based? Apparently. What does that, that is, mean? I don't know. It looks and tastes like any other eggnog. That's all I know. I have so many questions. <laughs> Who knows? Who can never be sure? Who can never be sure? That is very interesting, though. Well, is it good? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. You know, I always love eggnog. Gotta gotta kick off the holiday season right. And I'm an eggnog me. person, too, but I like to make my own. I don't really buy it much. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that. It takes a lot of time. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, why don't we talk about stuff we've been seeing in November? Um, love it. Love November. Starting with uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. The Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I saw that this month. That's a true statement. That is a fact. Um, that is a fact about me. That I saw that movie. <laughs> I don't know why. As soon as you said that, I was like, do, 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 do. Um, yeah, uh, look, I saw it. I liked it, actually. Um, I, I, The way I led up to that made it seem like I was going to say that I didn't like it. Um, I did, in fact, like it. It was yeah. a, an enjoyable film. Yeah, I liked um, it quite a bit. Um, I think they really had their work cut out for them on this one with uh, Chadwick Boseman dying. Um, I think they handled that really well, pretty much about as well as you could. Like, the whole opening of the movie is kind of like a tribute to him and it like you know he he very suddenly and mostly off screen dies mm-hmm. and then they like the opening credits are like entirely a tribute to chadwick boseman yeah and then you know he the other characters have to sort of fill in for him and i think they did a great job of that um still made a, a really interesting fun story um the story progresses about um like with the natural consequences of what we've seen from the first one uh, now that wakanda is more open they like everybody's pressuring them to get their resources and stuff they're facing new threats from outside um i thought the new like sort of villain was really interesting namor he's he's got his underwater society and that was a really cool place I feel like people are inevitably going to be comparing Avatar when it comes out to the underwater scenes in this one. Uh, but I thought that it like it looked really cool. They built a really cool looking underwater city. Um, and what was what was really nice for me uh, is that this movie didn't rely too heavily on fight scenes. There were a couple big ones, but it wasn't like the whole movie was structured just to get to those big fight scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would say I would say that's pretty pretty accurate. There are yeah, like you said, there are some. There's some big ones, but um not not like some of the other big Marvel or just general superhero movies where it's all about getting from one big fight to the next. Um Yeah, actually, interestingly, I mean, just like the first one, this movie feels very distinct from the rest of the MCU. Um that's one of the things that makes the Black Panther movies, you know, refreshingly enjoyable. Yeah. Um, yeah. um not that I don't like other MCU movies, but uh, you know, it's just uh, it's it's nice sometimes to watch one, and it doesn't feel like the whole thing is shoving it down your throat. Um, on that though, the thing that 
I did liked the least about this movie was every time it cut to Martin Freeman and Julia Louise Dreyfus <laughs> and a plot that like had just like absolutely no bearing on the rest of the movie. I mean, yeah, it's clear that it's set up for whatever's to come for Wakanda. Um, that's obviously the thrust of their plot. It's like setting up future plots and that's all fine and good, but it should have had some payoff in this movie. Like there was just like, it was just like, why do we like spend like 20 minutes with these characters? Like, like it's like no point. The entire movie is like, he's like secretly helping them out, but it's, he's entirely like doing it through phone calls. Like he's never side by side with any of the characters. And he's not really helping them. They're just talking. Yeah. Like they're just having conversations. He's like giving them information that like, doesn't even really help them out that much. Like they, it's all stuff they probably could have found out another way. And then, like, it's all about, like, will he get caught for helping them out? And then he gets caught for helping them out. And then they rescue him. And then that's it. So, presumably, he's just going to be hanging out in Wakanda from now on. But, yeah, but, that but it's, entire... Well, it's really all set up for it to be revealed that at the end, Julie Louise Dreyfus has been listening to his calls and knows about, like, no more. And they're, they're like, knows that there's something else going on. It's not Wakanda doing all of these things that the world thinks Wakanda's doing. Like... Mm-hmm. Which is obviously set up for Namor society is going to be revealed at some point. Like, very clearly, that's where that's all going. Um, you could just, like, have a payoff in this movie. Like, like <laughs> instead of just, like, ending, like, abruptly, like, hey, these characters have been here. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that it's, like, Martin Freeman was contractually required to be in this film. But, like, <laughs> there had to be a better way. There just had that, to. And it that... was just, like, so jarring every time. In a movie where there is not a lot of like extraneous nonsense, like there is in a lot of the Marvel movies, that part did stick out. Yes, yeah. it really like, it sticks out more than in other Marvel movies where they're clearly just setting it up, just because the rest of the movie was so, you know, tied together within itself and distinct. Um, yeah, there from wasn't the rest a of lot the universe. Of, there so. wasn't a lot of reliance of like, oh, we've got to set up what's going to happen in the next Ant Man movie. Oh, we've got to show you what Thor is doing right now. Like that's that's what I like about this compared to some of the other ones, where you're like jumping around. It's like half of this stuff doesn't even have any bearing to the plot. It's just tying things into other stuff that we might not have even seen. Right. Some of the times so I'm seeing like payoffs from like the TV shows I'm like, I don't watch the TV shows. I don't, <laughs> I don't care about like this side character that only shows up in the TV show. Like uh, just show me this story and have it be fun. And like, that is what both the black Panther movies have done pretty well so far is that they're the exception to that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that those plots of like Martin Freeman and Julius drive is just like drove me up a wall. Cause they were just like so unnecessary. Um, but otherwise I thought this movie was quite good. Um, so yeah props to them yeah great stuff great great stuff yeah um, overall quite nice loved it loved it i think um letitia wright stepped into some big shoes and did quite a good job um as becoming the new black panther um oh yeah for, she for, was for awesome um shuri um that was great um definitely a big fan of namor um many many reasons to be a big fan of him <laughs> Ooh. I can guess. Ooh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> lot going uh, on there. Um certainly, yeah, certainly. So, um yeah. yeah, yeah. He was a he was a cool villain and much like 
the villain in like like Killmonger in the first Black Panther. It's a villain that like you can see his perspective and like why he's doing the things he's doing. Yeah. Um, on that note, another kind of flaw of the movie was it like there's just like no reason for them to be fighting. Like the whole time, I was just like they just like don't fucking need to be doing this. Right. Like, it, like they like <laughs> fundamentally agree with one another. I don't really know what we're doing here. Like I mean, obviously the movie by the end I think comes around to that same perspective. But it's like the whole time you spend, you're spending it watching. Like, what are we doing? Like, what's yeah. going on? It's like you're just you're both hurting each other, and like really you agree on pretty much everything, and you have the same perspective. You could just team up to, to stop not, the out, yeah, yeah. outsiders from trying to gain. Like, there's there are there is a better way to to handle all of this. But okay, um, yeah. But otherwise, yeah. I mean, I did. Yeah, his perspective is obviously very very understandable, um, and he has a lot of rage. So. Um, you know, who doesn't? <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Um, but yeah, overall, quite good. Uh, fun, great kind of movie to see in the theaters. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, beautiful. I thought it had much less of the effects problems that the previous Black Panther had. That was like the one thing that I felt like kind of stood out negatively was like, especially like that train fight at the end just looked really bad. Mm, this one, okay. especially given that they had like all those underwater scenes, like challenging stuff, but it looked right. quite good. Yeah. I thought it looked good. I thought it looked very good. Good uh, stuff. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff right. from the MCU. Yeah. Um, good for that. Did you see pray for the devil? No. Uh, no. Look. <laughs> don't don't that see is it. A, that is a wait till it's on home release movie for sure. Um, it was it was not it was not good. Um, yeah. Um, I but, will see it when it's on home release. <laughs> I will watch the show. Out of that just I love a bad like exorcism possession movie. Like big. The fan. thing big, is, big it fan. wasn't even like bad in the fun way. It was just kind of boring. Okay, but, you know the shit I watch. You wanna, yeah, I, like, I do, I do, I yeah. do. My, just like my biggest gripe with this was that in the trailers they teased it being like, oh, once the devil knows who you are, then he'll follow you everywhere or something. Like you're on his battlefield now, uh, and they like showed it like, oh, like now that she's fought with the devil and the exorcism, like he's gonna be like showing up and like possessing random people just to get to her. But that doesn't happen until the very end of the movie. Oh my God. So it's like, it's like, what did we, that was the whole hook for the movie. And we wow. don't get to see any of the payoff of it. Um, yeah. So, but otherwise it's just, it is a very by the numbers exorcism movie with, and like, this is kind of funny. I feel like with exorcism movies, there's two kinds of exorcism movies. There's the exorcism movie. That's a horror movie. And there's the exorcism movie that's secretly a Christian movie. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and this one was a bit of the latter. Ooh, that makes it more fun for me. Yeah. So, I feel like uh, that yeah. might actually appeal to you. It definitely, yeah. it, it definitely has the feeling of like, this is for the true believers. So like that, that, that actually is a point in its favor. I feel like I picked up on that from the trailers before it because there were not trailers for other horror movies before this movie but there were a couple oh. of like christian dramas like those uh like that that freaking breakthrough the, the, movie or whatever, breakthrough or, like or that. that one where that girl like loses her arm surfing and so she's like big, like very devout or whatever you know what i'm talking about i think so yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, um, you may you may get get a kick out of it. I don't know. Yeah, I, those are usually funnier to me. So yeah, that's you know I like when the movies try to do that. I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. Let's do this. Um, so we'll see. I'm I'll definitely watch it. So okay, um, the menu. Let's talk about that. Yeah, um, I just saw this yesterday. This, um. Hmm. <laughs> this may be my favorite movie I've seen in the last month. Okay. Okay. Very good. I really liked it. Yeah. I would, I would put it up there for sure. Really cool. Um, I don't want to like, I don't want to get too in depth about it. Cause I feel like this is one of those movies that like, you know, information is revealed. It's not really like a mystery or anything, but like as information is revealed throughout the movie, it built is used to build the tension yeah sure i don't want to like give too much away i mean you can if you've seen the trailer obviously like the premise is very clear it's not like we're giving much away by saying that like things are go very very badly for the the guests (laughs) at this restaurant it's actually Um, quite a normal uh meal that they have they all just (laughs) they eat they pay their checks and they go home yeah exactly um so i just realized this is the director of what's your number starring chris evans and anna ferris from 2011 um But, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, I think that was like the last movie he made or something. Like That's he hasn't so bizarre. made a movie in a long time. Oh, he also uh, did Ali G into house. So, yeah. Oh god. <laughs> Very eclectic background. Yeah, for this is an interesting human. Mark Mylod. Okay. Um, this is like such a strange shift for him after Ali G into house and what's your number? <laughs> um, I don't know what yeah. to say about that. Um, yeah. Uh, so I really liked it. Um, I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun. It was extreme. It was like laugh out loud funny um, for like most of the runtime. Um, uh, so I really appreciated that. Um, yeah, it, this is this is one of those kind of like fuck the rich type movies that are for sure. Yeah, recently. Yeah. There's definitely a big spat of those out these days. Um, but this there, is there this... are I think two that we're talking about tonight. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this one, this one had its own interesting angle. It's not just like rich people are terrible. It's, it's also like, fuck the foodies. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, <laughs> fuck the foodies. Well, there's like there's this whole uh, arc in here where it's revealing like oh there's like this whole all these different kinds of rich people who come to a restaurant like this. But the one thing they all have in common is that they're all rich and they're all privileged. And those are the only kinds of people who get to eat at a place like this. So the price of being extremely successful in art or food or whatever have you is that only the richest people are the ones who are consuming your creations. And that's the only, uh, the only audience that you get to pander to for the rest of your time. Right. Um, And it's about a chef who becomes very frustrated with that and uh, sort of, takes it out in shall we say a rather dramatic way he really was inspired by john kramer i mean he like, got <laughs> frustrated with rich people and decided to like take action on his own yeah. um he's so. like cherish your life savor your food you know they, they both they go hand in hand yeah um it played by uh, by a great ray fiends um just doing doing some great work as um uh, an evil chef um who really delights in his evilness um loved it um also great i mean anya taylor joy is also good but i gotta specifically call out nicholas holt is just so funny he's so fucking funny as a nicholas clueless holt dopey foodie just like so fucking stupid such and then an it, asshole yeah. in yeah. this movie and he gets his comeuppance in such a delightful way yeah. uh and 
Yeah, he's he's great because like this movie is mostly like Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor Joy, but Nicholas Holt is always there, like in the corner, just being dumb, yeah, and just saying stupid, funny stuff. Really, really great. Um, John Leguizamo, another another yeah. standout. Yeah, um, great, really great, great appearance from him too. Um, also, his assistant is played by Amy Carrero, who also features in another movie we're going to talk about tonight: <laughs> the new Christmas movie <laughs> oh, Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I realized while I was watching it tonight, I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I was like, "Why do I know her?" Then I was like, "The menu." Um, so um, that was very funny. Um, um, there's also two very funny uh, like food critics, which are great. Um, um, I love my favorite part is that like even as everyone else is like, "Oh shit!" Like bad stuff is happening. Like this isn't just a meal. They're the last ones to figure it out. They're like, Oh wow. This is very bold. Like, I really like when everything bat, everything is like clearly going awry. Like people are like bleeding and dying. And the one food critic, she's like, this is all for us. This is just for our entertainment. Me and you. <laughs> like, to it's the like other so guy. It's table. like, wow, everyone else in this room must be an actor. It's like, no, <laughs> like, that is like the most arrogant you could think. There's like this whole thing is just put on for just your your benefit. Right. right. Um yeah. So very fun movie. I think this is like there's a lot of universal to appeal to this. I think this is the sort of movie that like most people would really like. Um Yeah, if you like things in this vein to begin with. Yeah. If it's, you it, don't want to watch like a pretty violent movie then no maybe not uh, well i mean it's not it's not that violent all in all T- teddy say... our perception of what's violent is extremely skewed there's there's <laughs> my one mom or two... would consider this violent okay there's one or two scenes that are more on the violent end there's no especially gruesome scenes that you see a lot of no you um, don't see much that's not the same as saying it's not violent yeah well I, I'm just saying I don't think my mom would particularly violent. enjoy this film. It's I, not overly heady. It's but it's fun. It's smart. It has like the perfect runtime. I think there's just a lot that's really pleasing about this movie. There it's is very, a lot that's very, tight, very pleasing. tightly constructed. So yeah, I I highly recommend this one. Uh, it's still in some theaters. Probably rapidly leaving, but if it's near you, check it out. Still playing quite a bit here. But I, you know, obviously where I live. Um, yeah, it's very good, though. Very good. Very funny. Um, when I, I mean, I saw it just yesterday and my auditorium was fairly, fairly full for a like mid afternoon showing. So that's great. Yeah, I did. There was a, a few people in the theater when we went, you know, things never get too busy around here. But no, oh, but of good. course. Um. Good. <laughs> um, OK, let's talk about the other eat the rich movie yeah uh glass onion a knives glass out onion. mystery yeah we can uh, leave off that second that tag i don't need to do that um, a knives out mystery i, I don't i don't appreciate that as the sub <laughs> subheader i don't know it bothers me um, it is it is kind of funny that it's like brought to you by knives out <laughs> right it's like it's not really a knives out mystery can we like call it can we come up with another name for this universe not the knives out universe like the the benoit blanca verse yeah just just something you know anything would be better um yeah no so i also really like this movie um and talk about seeing a movie in a packed theater that was like i was like what the fuck are we doing here it's like 3 40 oh, yeah. on a on a tuesday afternoon um 
hey folks yeah. how we doing um, I saw this on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, so our, like a pretty busy time to see movies. Right. Uh, and this theater was packed. Yeah. Like it, like we were sitting in the front section. Like that, that was how crowded it was. The whole back was packed. Oh no, yeah. I luckily my my t- my seat was in like the mid back. Um, and when I got it, the auditorium was like more sold than a normal like three forty five on a Tuesday would be. But it was not like. Mm-hmm packed but when i actually got there and i went to sit down with my soda it was like packed and of course it's like the one fucking amc in new york where the lights go all the way down for trailers i was like jesus fucking christ and <laughs> trying to it's stumble to your seat and yeah and it's also one of the very few that doesn't have like the big aisles with recliner seats like most of them in new york now do but the lincoln square one still has the old school seats oh um, uh, yeah that fold up um, so I was like, of course, it's also like the cramped one. I was like, why do the lights go down already? We never do this at AMCs anymore. They go like half down. Like, what are we doing? Um, so yeah, that was- yeah. Everyone, everyone knows that when you're building a playlist, there's two lighting cues in there at the beginning. There's one that goes on yeah. when the trailer start, and there's one that goes on when the feature starts. Yes. And then when you're ending the movie, there's one that goes on when the credits begin, and one that goes on when the end. Yes, so I know. Hey, you don't have to tell little, me. No, I'm telling. I'm telling everyone out there. You you put in little cues. Yes, for these lighting things so that they reach the proper levels. Somebody right clearly time. did something a little off with the when they they did they did the show build like they the the cue the lighting cue that they chose for for trailers was just off because I came in like midway through pop probably the second trailer I saw most of them. Um, but like it was definitely like I'd miss like because I waited in line for a soda. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah. Um, because you know, that whole AMC a list priority lane, gotta say that's not respected. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I'm not going to complain Excuse too much, me, sir. But, I have status here. Well, but sometimes it's like, okay, like, you know, I'm the only one here. We could like do something. Um, like, I, you know, um, but yeah. roll out the red carpet. Yeah. I mean, I, I never like complain, obviously. Um, and I never would, but you know, <laughs> however, I'm however, sometimes, you know, if like, like, like I never get in, if I'm the only person getting into that line, I'll just get in the regular line. But if there are like two other people in it already, I'll be like, okay, yes, well, I'll get in this line too. Then. Um, but like, they still just like, well, like take three people from the main line first. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like in between a <laughs> list lines, I'm like you have anyway, anyway, excuse me. I have the a list. <laughs> Well, what's the point of having the line if you're not going to fucking use it? Well, I'm over here with Regal Unlimited just in line with the rest of the plebs. Hey, I I don't care if I have, like, the point is that you shouldn't have it as, like, a a stated perk of signing up for A-List and have the lane. (laughs) No, I agree, I agree. I remember that from having A-List. It's just, like, this is very much, like, a half-done thing. Like, sometimes they do it. I think it's clear that... They are told that they should do it, but nobody wants to be the asshole holding oh, yeah. up the regular line. I mean, I and I uh, like one hundred percent get it, but then just do away with it. It's obviously uncomfortable for everyone involved. Yeah, I say this to somebody who gets wor- in it sometimes. Like as someone who's worked in concessions, that would be an uncomfortable thing. Absolutely, to try to it'd be terrible. <laughs> um, um. So you know, whatever. Anyway, um. So I came in and anyway, that was very annoying because the, the lights were just all the way down. But yeah. that theater was packed. I had people sitting on either side of me for the first time in quite some time while seeing a movie. I was like, wow. And there were strange. No, not they were not both strangers. Sorry. I forgot that I did see that one with a friend. But um, that, but still, usually I have like a free seat somewhere around me in a movie theater. 
in the post COVID days. Um, so I was like, what's going on here? Um, but whatever. I was glad that it was full because the audience liked it. They stood up and cheered for Nicole Kidman. And I was like, all right, we're doing this today. <laughs> I found the right crowd. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, been so long since I've gotten to see that. Uh, the only time I got to see it, I think was when I went to see uh, nightmare alley at an AMC. But right, that's really the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, There's no AMC Lord. here. I know that, but still I forgot about nightmare alley. Um, I, yeah, I see it all the time, so no comment. Um, are they going to release a second one? She did renew. Like, she's going to do it do it for another year or whatever. Like, can't they? They mm. should record a new one. They, I need new Nicole Kidman. I need, <laughs> we need more. more. We need to expand the universe. We need to. She's just so great. Um, Meanwhile, at Regal, we, we did get Dr. Explore back recently. Oh, he's did you? The, uh, he's the guy who... Well, they always have a different character to advertise the Regal Unlimited uh, a program. That's and very funny. They, they've rotated through. My favorite is Dr. Explorer, and he recently came back. He's, he's like a jungle adventurer, and he's, you know, he explores all kinds of movies, and he likes animated musicals, and he'll tell you all about it. And I'm glad that he's back. We love Jungle Explorers. Um, that's up yeah. our alley. Um that's cool. I like that. Um, do you do you d- didn't they used to do the um, the crypto ads with fucking what's his name? <laughs> they did. They did the Matt Damon ads. Yeah, that was. <laughs> at, um, those have mysteriously disappeared. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> Things aren't doing so well in crypto world. Um, um, I'm so glad uh, AMC has not subjected me to those um, or anything similar. It's just Nicole Kidman, which is great. Um, but yes, anyway, it, it the the theater experience for this was very good. It was great to see it in a in a big crowd of people. Uh, everybody was laughing it up. Um, it's a it's a really fun movie for that. This is a movie that is going to be released directly to Netflix uh, in yeah. like a month from now. Like it's going to be released. Wait, like, isn't it in like three weeks or something? Well, three week three weeks a month. It's close. It, it's it's a while from now. Like it just, so it played for one week in theaters. I think by the time this comes out, it will be completely gone from theaters. Uh, it's been making killer money and yeah, but they, they're not extending the theatrical run. They've talked about maybe bringing it back to theaters after it's released to Netflix, which I'm like, okay, good luck with that. Um, but it, it, this really feels like a missed opportunity, you know. No, la- no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. Missed opportunity for whom? For the moviegoer, one hundred percent. I support movies being on the big screen. Yeah, one hundred percent of the time. Netflix's business model—they don't give a shit about movies and cinemas. They don't give a shit about that. They yeah, want but- subscribers. They have been bleeding subscribers. That has been the narrative for them for the past two years. They are doing this intentionally to drive subscriptions. They are intentionally showing it for a week, getting great buzz and banking on people subscribing to see it when it comes out. That is what their stated goal is. I it's not a know. missed opportunity for them. I But I feel like they could they have never extended wanted it. to do it. They could have extended it and made like $100 million and then released it to Netflix. They don't care about that. They want the demand buzz, to be money. really high. The more people who see it in theaters, the fewer people who need to sign up to see it. Well, that is their their game plan here well uh, and i think well, we'll they are see. probably not too far off if anything will work it will be great because nobody signs up for netflix from seeing a fucking 
movie like in in the theaters like like i don't see a movie in theaters and think oh i should sign up for that subscription service so for them they want subscribers that's their main thing yeah i mean i get it i guess i'm not endorsing their business model i just think a lot of people have been calling it like baffling and a a poor business decision i'm like i don't think they're think you're thinking of a different business decision they're not they don't care about the extra hundred million dollars because they want the long-term gains of subscribers that's their their plan maybe i don't know i because their whole model depends on it without subscribers they will fall apart yeah but they've done they've done extended releases to some of their movies before Roma yeah, but they really need subscribers right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean now <laughs> they're in a bad. Now they're in a big pinch. So now that might be they what they really, really need subscribers. So they really needed like a movie that would get great word of mouth, which this one is. Yeah, and absolutely. Really encourage people to sign up just to watch it, and they're Whoa. hoping this will do it. I yeah. think maybe the lag time in between is suspect. It should that be more like strange. two weeks. <laughs> that is but, strange. Um, like you think that they'd like be like, oh well this movie's getting so much buzz and you can watch it in your home next week. Yeah. I would, I would think it should be like $18 or whatever. Yeah. I would think Um, it'd be one or two weeks, not, not three or whatever it is, but, um, it is almost like they're giving it time to die down, which I mean, it might benefit them. Maybe there's a second wave of excitement that'll come up when it gets, well, wait, I think the other thought is closer to Christmas is a lot of people going home and what do people do at home? They find something to watch with their family. Yeah, so I think true. that's also what they're. That's true, on. and what well, we'll we'll see. We'll see if we it will pays see. Off we will see. I do think the fact that they're talking about bringing it back to theaters after they release it to the platform means that they're having at least some regrets. But we'll see. This this could end up being a big boon for them. This movie is going to be a smash hit. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it will actually work the way they want it to. I think it's not the worst idea for their, what they want to do, even though I think it sucks because I think everything should be on the big screen and it's a much better viewer experience that way. But I don't think it's the worst concept for, for what they want to do. However, I just don't know how much people, I, I, I just think Netflix is baked in at this point. Like if you want Netflix, you have Netflix. Like, (laughs) Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, um, that's the thing. That's what I'm. But thinking. the other like, thing how is, many I don't think are actually that... gonna like this is gonna be the thing that pushes them to finally sign up for Netflix. Like, I mean, I people know. do sign up to watch one thing. Think about Disney. Yeah. Disney Plus has really benefited from that. Disney Plus benefits it from it all the time with new Star Wars content. People yes. stay signed up yes. just for shit like that. Like, um, so like people will sign up just for one thing and then forget to subscribe. I just don't know how many people will do that. Um for knives out too. Like, I, I just don't know. Um, that seems like a, 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 a risky gamble. It's not like it's like a Marvel movie or something. Um, so that, you know, I don't know, but, um, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Um, I also, I also just don't know that like if they had extended the theatrical release up front, it's not like that would have saved them long term if they kept bleeding subscribers. So to them, it's like, it's, there's no real losing in doing it the way that they're doing it because they wouldn't win the other way yeah. either. They're so. not, they're not, yeah. They're not concerned with having a hit. Like yeah. having a hit is not going to be enough to save the whole company. So right, yeah. they need, they need the subscribers. They're, more they're than running they a very yeah. different model from your traditional studio. Right. Um, right. It's just, it's so strange to see this, but uh, well, I it's mean, 2022. they're breaking new ground. We'll see how it goes. Yep. Uh, anyway, the movie itself, uh spectacular if it's still out 
when this comes out, go see it. If not, you know, you know where to find it. Um, 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 but yes, if you've seen the previous knives out, which was awesome, directed by Ryan Johnson, um, this one follows kind of the same formula, but also kind of not. It's 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 kind of interesting, similar format, but I think it really doesn't try to recreate the first one in any way. Yeah, yeah, which is which is to its benefit, I think. Absolutely. Um, The first one was definitely a lot more of a mystery, even like they're both billed as mysteries. This one, not so much a mystery. And the first one was like more serious. Like there was like a more serious mystery. You like. You cared about the the murder victim, gotta say. Sure didn't hear. Um, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, um, like you know, there's just like so, like this. This one is like way more like in your face with like the comedy and like it's um, you know, it's it's it, it's taking itself less seriously. It's a little more satirical, I guess you would say. Um, yeah, it's it's more of like a, yeah, a satirical comedy with yeah. a a mystery veneer over it. Right. Um. But you know, it's it's still fun. It's still like oh yeah, no, those... that's not a knock. I think that's the best way they could have done this sequel. It still hits those mystery buttons a little bit. Uh, Benoit Blanc is also awesome. The main uh, the main plot of this is that uh, there's like a, a billionaire and a bunch of his rich like uh, God, what do they call them? Disruptor. Oh, disruptor you were looking for his friends. official word. Yes, disruptors. Yes. They're the, the disruptors. Dis- his disruptor friends all go to meet on his island for a week of murder mystery and um notable that this is during covid so this very much calls to mind all the uh the rich people running off to nantucket or whatever yeah, and that, that is built but, into the plot they yeah. they um they do have like actual covid i mean the covid figures into like some of these characters characterizations and like how you think of them so um, yeah it's actually interesting that they do that um it's yeah. one of the first, I mean, one of the first big movies to really like use COVID. Um, so here we are. We're in, we're, we're, where we are now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, you get masks, you get, um, oh my God, Kate Hudson as Birdie J who, first of all, we got to do like a power ranking of all of the characters at some point, but like Kate Hudson up there, she was fucking awesome. <laughs> definitely. Uh, definitely. She was like, top. she was, uh, she fucking killed it. Um, but her when she puts on a face mask and it's like it's fucking has holes all in it because it's just like a it's just a mesh mask. Yeah, like I literally saw some celebrities wearing stuff like that. I remember there was a moment where a celebrity did exactly that, and it was really funny. Um, So yeah, it was it's um really really great. The COVID stuff is actually pretty funny here. Um, But leave it to like this movie. Like also the main character um, or not the main character the the main rich guy played by fucking Ed Norton. he has, I guess, a COVID cure somehow. He just sprays you in the mouth and they're like, you're good now. You don't need that. I like how they never really explain that. They so just funny. like, they just like spray, spray them in the mouth of that. Like, not you're you good be clear. Now. It's you not can... just they spray. It's fucking Ethan Hawke and his assistant. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. What a cameo that, that was. was. So good. Yeah. So good. Uh, just like, just, yeah. Spraying them in the mouth with this thing and it'd be like, oh, you're good now. They're like, what what was in that? Uh, you're I said you're good now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna find out. <laughs> yes, yes. But I love yeah. that um, Benoit Blanc was like clearly the one who takes COVID seriously, like the most out of it. Um, like as as they're getting to the island, he's like keeping his mask on very firmly, as opposed to like Birdie J wearing it down, or like Catherine Hahn, who's it kept slipping beneath her nose, and she was just like she was of course that person. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was very funny. 
Um, yeah, everybody, everybody else, all the rich people were all their own degree of awful about uh, COVID. Yeah, there were like two like hardcore Republicans who, of course, didn't give a shit. And like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Very but yeah, fun. very, very fun cast here. Uh, who else is worth mentioning? Dave Batista is in this yes. as like a like he's a Joe right Rogan. Wing, yeah, he's basically <laughs> Joe Rogan. He's like a right wing Twitch streamer. Yes. Uh, and his girlfriend is Whiskey. Um, I can't remember the actress's name, but um, yeah, she Madeline figures, Klein. Yeah, Madeline Klein. Yes. Leslie Odom Jr. is in yes. this playing like. The, the engineer, yeah. uh, engineer scientist at Edward Norton's company. Edward yes. Norton is basically a thinly veiled Elon Musk figure. Slash Steve this. Jobs. There's a the moment where he's wearing the Steve Jobs. Look. There is. <laughs> he is wearing a Steve Jobs look, but I think I think that's meant more as like a sign of that he just like steals stuff from everybody else. Yeah, like, I mean he is very clearly, have any very clearly uh, original Elon ideas Musk. of his own. Yeah. yeah. I, this is especially funny playing in the middle of like Elon Musk's whole Twitter thing. Yeah, it, uh, the timing could not be better. Um, it's really, really impeccable, honestly. Um, yeah. Um, this is very of the moment. Like, I feel like you're going to be able to watch this in 10 years and be like, oh, yeah, that's what 2022 was like. Right. Yes. Uh, um, this is so, so on point. Yes. Uh, Janelle Monet is in this and she's great. Yeah, she's the uh, former business partner. Um, yeah, she's, she's the Winklevoss twins. Yeah, <laughs> well, 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 well. Um, 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 and I, you know, I mentioned Catherine Hahn, but she's like a she's a governor running for senator. Um, so, um, mm-hmm. and I guess she's a Democrat because she's hardcore about climate change. Um, but interestingly, all of her friends seem to be Republican leaning. So I don't really know what's going on with that. Well, the, I think this is one of those things like much like the first Knives Out showing that like even if these people do have what seems like opposing politics, their class interests are still very much the same. So right, they're really yeah. closer to each other than they are to uh, regular people of the same political leanings. Right. Yes. Uh, and that's definitely how all these people are able to be be friends uh, in this movie because like none of that stuff actually matters to them. They're still going to be fine one way or another. Right. COVID clearly doesn't even matter. They've got their own personal little cure, <laughs> and they're hanging out on an island while yes. everyone else is in lockdown. Well, they didn't know. They, to be fair, they didn't all know they had the cure, and they were still just doing stuff. Like when Birdie Jay's at a party, and oh my god, they they video call her, and Catherine Hans like, "Are you at a party?" And she's like, "Oh, don't worry, they're all in my pod." <laughs> like 50 people in your pod they all live with you is that right <laughs> yo-yo ma lives with you um oh yeah the yo-yo ma cameo in this is that like there's just so many weirdly my audience here. went pretty nuts for the yo-yo ma cameo i was like really this is the one this is the one we're screaming about right now that's Where? new york yeah that's yeah new right york and this was lincoln square this was the lincoln square amc so um uh, Lincoln Center, sorry. Um, so everybody, of course, up there probably they probably all seen Yo Yo Ma live. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, um, so yeah, that was funny. Um, Jessica Hennick is in this. Hennick, I think it's I think you don't pronounce a W. I think I I, I read that correctly somewhere, but it might be Henwick. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's Birdie J's assistant. Um, she's also pretty fun. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Gen Z character. Yes. <laughs> uh god uh, hugh grant has a brief cameo in this. yes as as benoit blanc's domestic partner um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um benoit blanc has fake come out um so you know 
Uh, that, but that's good for him. Good for him for fake coming out. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're getting we're getting development here. It's so it's sort know. of a Dumbledore come out, but that's okay. Um, it's sort <laughs> of a like after the movie came out, somebody said, "Oh yeah, he's gay," and we're just like, "Oh, we're just supposed to take that." Like you could have thought he was just a butler. You could have thought uh, Hugh Grant was the butler, but you know that's okay. Uh, I, I think he he's definitely not just a butler i don't think that's very clear i don't think my mom seeing that would assume anything that's my bar for everything would my mom the how would my mom react that's Um, fair i don't think she would see it and assume romantic partner i can see it and take it that way but i don't know that my my parents would (laughs) it's still better than dumbledore because at least a a partner is depicted on true and at least there's there's going to be a future movie like it's not like there's going to be more of of benoit blanc it's so um we will definitely get more knives out more benoit blanc and hopefully more hugh grant and benoit blanc yeah i mean it's okay if we don't get more of them it would be nice if we could make some things explicit though you know like making things you have to infer never never good um, mm-hmm. but not in 2022 we got to stop doing that uh, it's silly yeah um but yes so but he is a fun cameo regardless um uh, so yeah benoit blanc uh played by daniel craig is great in this just as he was in the first movie i love like i feel like his outfits in this one are a real uh standout they are they're uh, gay <laughs> they're very gay they're act- they might actually be the biggest c- clue in that um, yeah that's true that is uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> he has so many different looks like like a beach look and a pool look and stuff yes, like that. I yeah. really dug like the the terry cloth pool look. Yeah, that was really good. I yes. wish I could pull that off. Um <laughs> that was a good look. Um I like when he's just walking through the pool in that look with his like drink above the water. I'm like, what are we doing? Like you <laughs> he's just he's just vibing he's having fun he did not expect to be here he's completely out of place but he's like whatever i'm just gonna gonna have my drink and chill in the pool yeah i like when he's like oh rich people i'm like you i've seen your apartment as thanks to this movie gotta say man not <laughs> not not rich um, yeah he he lives all right but yeah. he's still at a completely he's not like a billion bracket yeah from yeah, this yeah uh from this class and that that is uh in a complete different power bracket like he might be financially close to one or two of them like i can't imagine the lead scientist at this tech company makes that much money i know how those tech companies work Um, yeah um but like you know power wise benoit blanc is not nowhere near what these people have um yeah so. so he's he's very much the outsider here and he gets invited here mysteriously um not by edward norton they like they find that out that is like well somebody here must have sent you a duplicate invitation um which means like somebody here has has reason to think that a real murder is going to take place it's like i feel like that happens in like a a poirot novel or something probably yeah like or uh, some one of those like classic mystery ones where the the detective is mysteriously invited along and nobody knows why and that right that's that's always it's never a good sign, really. No, <laughs> it means sign. something's gonna happen. Something bad Shit's is gonna going go to down. occur. I do like though that like uh Edward Orton put together like this elaborate murder mystery party and <laughs> Benoit Blanc like picks it apart instantly. <laughs> oh yeah, that was really <laughs> he's just funny. Like, he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, are we starting? Okay, then this is how it happened. <laughs> like, yes. before they've even done the fake murder. Yeah. Um very fun but of course that's there's much more to what happens than that of course yes a lot happens real Um, intrigue later uh i do think this this crazy island they're on is so much fun the big the the titular glass onion is this big glass like 
dome structure, like kind of like the onion domes in St. Petersburg. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but made out, made all out of glass in the middle of the Island. Uh, and there's just a lot of glass everywhere. Stuff made out of glass that like, as soon as you see the big room full of glass sculptures, you're like, that shit's going to get smashed at some point. It's gotta, it's gotta, <laughs> it's um, got, you know, that's happening. Um, the Mona Lisa features in this movie very prominently. Uh, um, so get ready for that. Um, yeah. It's very funny. Most of the Mona Lisa scenes are pretty funny. Um, um, Joseph Gordon Levitt has a cameo as the voice of the dong that rings throughout the island every hour. <laughs> um, he's, he's the voice. Yeah, that's Joseph yeah. Gordon Levitt. Um, There's a lot of fun things that go on on this island. The dong that happens every hour. Um, I um, like the the references to Jeremy Renner multiple times. Um, the the Jeremy Renner app. Jeremy. <laughs> well, well, yes, but also the hot sauce. Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Oh, yeah, Jer- Jeremy, Jeremy Renner Renner's hot sauce. hot sauce. But also, oh, my God, the Jeremy Renner app. We should always reference the Jeremy Renner app. Um, <laughs> never forget about um, the Jeremy Renner app. Um, <laughs> the Jared Leto hard kombucha. Also, yeah. also really funny. Really I was funny. like, that. that is, that is definitely like the sort of stuff that these people would be drinking yes and jared leto probably would do kombucha he would ferment that mushroom himself he would do that he would he would make his own hard kombucha absolutely what an Um, upsetting human he basically has an island like that so like yeah i i believe of course he does it's crazy Um, as the guy from what the fuck my so-called life all right um (laughs) we need to all take a take a step back from jared leto yeah well that's probably true in many ways we should all take a step back from jared leto at any time if you're in his presence that's a good good rule please please do um yeah so very fun serena williams has a cameo in this movie um <laughs> her cameos are, there's so many just hilarious cameos in yes this. um oh man she she's like the uh like in the gym as like you think that she's like a part of a pre-recorded video on like one of those mirror screen things and then she's like oh so do you need to start a session or anything i'm on the clock so like, <laughs> this guy's got serena williams like showing up daily just to see if anyone's gonna do yeah just in case month. that's the funniest part like it's a just in case sort of thing um so good so good yeah this movie has like like from start to finish like it has a lot of laughs um way more than i think knives out did knives out was funny well, this movie is like intentionally leaning into the comedy, um, and it really yeah, works. Yeah. I think it, I think it works really well. All of the cast is very very funny, um, so funny, so yeah. funny. I, I'm trying to think. The only cast member who isn't like super like Leslie Odom Jr. is the only one who's not playing it as comedically. Um, yeah, he's pretty intense. Yeah, he's still good. Him. Like obviously, it's Leslie Odom oh, yeah. Jr. He's a great actor, but um, like the rest of the characters are like doing some like. Like Kate, I've not seen Kate Hudson like this. She's really, she's going for it. She's fucking awesome. Um, she was, she was living for this. Newfound like, respect. I mean, I didn't have anything against her, but she wasn't like somebody was like on my radar necessarily. But she, she did a great job here. Um, I've um, never seen her do comedy, but my yeah. favorite role of hers is always Skeleton Key. Oh my god! Top-notch hell yeah! Role. Hell yeah! Skeleton Key, um, Honey Child. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't stop. Oh no. That movie is formative for me. So, um absolutely. Um yeah, yeah so she's great, great in that, but she's great here. She's just so funny. She's so funny. Dave Batista is also really fucking funny. Dave um, Batista is always amazing. Yeah. Uh he yeah, he's hilarious. <laughs> he yeah. Yeah. So good. He's very believable as like the Joe Rogan type meathead podcaster streamer or whatever. Yes. Yes. 
Um, very believable. Unfor it's so unfortunate because he's like very clearly not that person IRL. Um, but he he really looks and plays the part quite well. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he leaned into it. He was he yeah. was doing a good job. Yeah. Um, His girlfriend Edward is Dorton. also really funny. Uh, Madeline oh, yeah. Fine. She's really funny. Um, um, as kind of oblivious, but you find out she's maybe not as oblivious as you think she is. Um, so yeah. Um, she she's really funny. Um, in what she does. Um, Catherine Hahn is like anxious the whole time. She's just, like always like she stresses me out. Like she's just like running around like high stress the whole movie which i guess you would be if you're running for senate um but yeah yeah definitely like the entire time she's like stressing out over things like potentially tanking her i mean campaign. imagine running for senate in 2020 bad year to be running for national office gotta say um yeah. and you're a democrat presumably because she's climate change that's her whole thing um and you're hanging out at a house party with a bunch of republicans during covid gotta say yeah. That would be no. a high stress situation for me too. If that gets <laughs> out, you're like not a good look. That's like one of the most divisive years in our politics. Like you can't be hanging out with the other team. <laughs> like, so um, yeah, that was, um, yeah. So there, everybody is just like really, really living it up uh, in their, their roles here, um, including Ed Norton. Um, oh yeah. Ed Norton is so good in this as like the, the self-important, douchebag billionaire oh my god he says like so, yeah he's so fucking funny he's just so funny everything he says is bullshit um he like gives a definition of what a disruptor is and it's like all right shut the fuck up dude you are so <laughs> annoying so annoying um i like would punch him in the face um i love when they're coming to the island i laughed so hard they're they're coming to the island and his like glass thing rises from the sea and i'm like are you fucking <laughs> kidding me and then he's sitting at the end of it strumming the dumbest fucking song he could possibly be strumming on his little guitar I'm like fuck <laughs> off i he's hate playing he's playing blackbird by the beatles so fucking annoying and he reveals that he's playing it on the actual guitar they recorded it on yes yeah and then he just like casually throws it into the sand ridiculous it is ridiculous it is it's like the perfect introduction to his character it's like oh this is that guy fuck that um yeah. he's oh my god it was so funny um there's a few beatles references in this too of course glass onion being a song by the beatles and i sure. was hoping i was hoping we were gonna get that as the credit drop song and we did <laughs> i'm like do i want to spoil this i'm like well it's obvious from what i'm saying that it is yes, yes. we did get that i think most it, people who are familiar would have assumed that that would when it kicked know. in i was like hell yeah there we go like, perfect way to cap things off as predicted i love yes it. um and you know the song is all about all about the wealthy people uh and seeing how the other half lives so, absolutely yeah um yeah just su su such a fun movie i'm definitely gonna watch this again when it comes to netflix um yeah i think and, i think a thing that makes us more rewatchable too than knives out i mean I, knives knives out is very good but knives out is so much about the mystery that you know repeat viewings are not quite the same this one i don't think the mis the mystery is a little more secondary um so you know there's yeah. way more at least to my mind there's way more rewatchability for this when it's like more about just like the comedy and everything. Um, so, you know, it still is about the mystery as well, but that's not like, I mean, I, I kind of figured out what was going on. Like, um, fairly yeah. early. I thought yeah, once more... a certain twist happens halfway through or so, 
I kind of figured out where the the actual plot, you know, I figured out what was going to happen from there, basically. Um, yeah, Lauren had it like exactly pegged, and I was like pretty convinced that I uh, about at least some of what was going on when I saw a certain thing happen. Uh, but there was a lot of clever misdirection. There is, yeah, in yeah, this movie that I think really helped out. Um, but yeah, like we said, the mystery is there. It's pretty fun, but this is more about the comedy, and the comedy is just top notch. Yeah, it's really good, really, and it's so, just so timely. What a great, um, great piece for for the for the year that we're living in. So right, <laughs> and and like what I thought it did really well is that. We've been talking for like the last two years here about how I really don't want to see filmmakers tackle COVID because it's just going to be annoying when they do it. This right. one, like they managed to do it and they did it a little bit, not too much. And they did it in a way that it wasn't annoying. It was actually funny and right. relatable. Um, so that was good. It gets a plus for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Making you actually glad to see today's events reflected on the screen rather than groaning you know of course yeah yeah it, i thought it handled it well it, it didn't like because it didn't focus on it i think that was a big thing it was like it was a part for it was a bit of it for the beginning of the movie and then after that it was like okay we're not going to keep lingering on this so moving on uh we have one last movie that we need to cover today but before we get to that uh i just want to briefly shout out bones and all i know you Ooh. haven't seen this yet matt um, but I you will see it soon though. So I'm in and we'll definitely talk about it more. Yes. It's the new Luca Guadagnino cannibalism movie. Um, very interesting film. I, uh, I saw this at the DC Alamo draft house for the first time. This is the first time I've been to this one. Oh, very exciting. Cool, very cool theater. Um, it's three floors, nine screens, uh they've got like a spy themed bar they've got all sorts of like dc go-go concert posters up around along with the you know typical movie posters and stuff they've got a poster for everybody's favorite mr t movie dc cab there uh, which i thought was a nice touch a little bit That's of awesome. local local film there um but yeah really really cool looking theater very fun um the movie was awesome. I mean, it's got all of Luca's, you know, typical sentimentality, the beautiful cinematography, great use of music, everything. This uh, this film is set in the 80s and it feels very 80s. It's got all that like 80s kind of music. Um, and uh, it's also got music by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which is great. There's a uh, key song at a very pivotal emotional moment in this movie where uh, Trent Reznor singing and like as soon as he started I was like oh, it is like it's Trent Reznor he's not just doing the score he's singing here too like uh, it's that very like Nine Inch Nails style singing I love that um, oh nice just a really beautiful emotional film very it's definitely not going to be for everyone uh, the cannibalism scenes in this are pretty intense uh oh um, I, I've been hearing uh tales online of people having to leave the theater <laughs> nobody did that in my screen but people were definitely like audibly gasping um look at they're eating so, people yeah. yeah pretty intense movie but it's it's very interesting the contrast between that and like the the emotional core of the movie which is very deep 
Nobody should be um, shocked that Luca Guadagnino is doing has some like viscerally violent moments. I saw Suspiria. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, Suspiria. Some of the violence in that was insane. So yeah, this is more of that. Uh, Mark Rylance was nice, incredibly creepy in this. Um, just classic. He does have like, a pretty just creepy persona. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's uh, it's interesting. Like I've I've seen him. In a number of things, and he's always fantastic, but I don't think I've ever seen him in something where he's just like a full-on creep like this. Right. Um, but yeah, he's he's very upsetting in this movie. Um, we've also got uh, Taylor Russell. Friend of the pod. The lead friend of the pod. Taylor Russell from Escape Room and Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Yep. Um, she's in this. She's awesome. And, you know, Timothy Chalamet. Another friend of the pod. Timmy, my boy. I do think it's interesting. Little Literal Timmy. friend of the pod. Remember when he said hi to me in that one movie theater? Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's, so he's, um, we're officially all friends now. Friends. That's how that um, works. Well, I did hook up with a guy who went to school with and knows him personally. So, in theory, friend of the pod. <laughs> um, actually, your... I hooked up with that guy more than once. So, really, <laughs> like, friend of the pod. So, um, that's even closer. Even closer. Yeah. You, that's your six degrees right there. Uh, one degree two degrees um, <laughs> um, um anyway i don't even need a degree i said hi to him um but anyway um i do think it's very funny that timothy chalamet did a movie with army hammer and is now doing a cannibalism movie um <laughs> yeah people are saying like this is like luca and timothy's way of like being like fuck off army hammer <laughs> yeah um so you know gotta say um seems a, a little pointed um <laughs> yeah yeah um, um Michael Stolbarg is in this great of course. Uh, show stealing scene that he's in. Um, he does that. He shows up, does a big scene and <laughs> he's always fantastic. Like he like also like Mark Rylance, just one of those people who just shows up and just takes over everything. Uh, also very unexpected. There is a David Gordon green acting role. Whoa. In this movie. <laughs> uh, definitely didn't see that coming. Uh, he has never, it, at least as far as I can see from his credits, he has never acted in a film before except when he's playing himself. So uh, very unexpected. David Gordon Green, probably best known right now for having directed the most recent Halloween trilogy. Um, and uh, Chloe Savini is also in this. Oh, know, I love that too. Like a one scene role. Um, she was pretty good, but yeah, lots of great acting, great cinematography, great music just beautiful beautiful film um will not be for everyone certainly but uh, no definitely no something i'm going to be revisiting at some point i do appreciate that luca guanino did you know he's done movies then he did call me by your name which was like a, an obvious like crowd pleaser oscar nominee type movie and then was like and now i'll do movies that are decidedly not for most people <laughs> um appreciate yeah. that really appreciate that okay now it's the one we've all been waiting for. No, says who? Who the fuck said that? <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, the Apple TV original movie, Spirited. Ah! Um, 
I want to preface this by saying that when Teddy first watched this movie, he texted the group chat <laughs> 10 minutes in and I already hate this. I it have was, the receipts. It was 10 seconds. Oh, 10 in. seconds Let's sorry. be clear. It was literally the first scene. The first like, scene was the, pretty egregiously bad. The first say. I did not line like to this movie. And I was like, oh, fuck this. <laughs> it did improve from there. But it's still, it's still like very much a lot of what I disliked about the opening scene carried through the rest of the movie. Um, yes, and I will, I will get into exactly why. Um, this is a musical film. It it is. stars Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. It does, and uh, I am I'm very mixed on <laughs> how I feel about this. Um, there's a lot that I actually do like about this film that I, I came to appreciate about. Uh, the experience of watching this film was not always great. There were large portions of it that I was like, why am I watching this? Um, it... The answer was that I was at Lauren's parents for the weekend and this is what we decided to watch. So. See, my answer was always, <laughs> I'm doing this for the pod. Do it for the pod. <laughs> do it for the pod. Um yeah, so look, I don't love Will Ferrell. Um, that was my main hesitation going into this movie. I was like, I, I just really struggle with his comedy and face. So I yes. was, I was worried that I was going to really not. I, but I think he was a little more. It was a little more of the not restrained Will Ferrell, but the less ridiculous Will Ferrell. I feel like as Will Ferrell has aged, and he's gotten much more bearable he, for me. <laughs> he's well, he's yeah, he's gotten more bearable. He's also got more of a, a relatable emotional core to his performances. Yes. And I think that's part of what makes this movie not the worst. Yeah. It's like the most likable aspect about it is his emotional core to the movie. Um, He's pretty good. He he uh, his character is very well developed, and uh, I think he his performance is very good. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, he's, he does a good job. Yeah, there. that's um, the that's the saving grace. So that oh that's go, the saving grace. Okay, interesting. Going well, and the music. Let's let's talk about the music very briefly. I like the music. We'll, we'll get into more. Music's fine. Yes, Passing the music is good. Um, it's Pasig and Paul who. <laughs> I like that they, they do these like these very mixed reputation films where it's like like Greatest Showman where it's like not the best made film like plot wise there's like a lot lacking actually but I would say it's is... it's a quite well made film it is a middlingly written film um. okay okay yeah yeah um. that that's that's a better assessment I think um. But the music is very much the best part of it, and yes. the music is great. The music's well, awesome. Also, the visuals. Uh, the visuals of Greatest Showman are pretty. The, visual, pretty the visuals fun. are fun. The yeah. visuals are fun. Um, and like then there's like Dear Evan Hansen, where it's like some of the plot of this is downright egregious and and yes. should not maybe even exist. But the music is very good. Yes, and yes. you like it, and it's fun, and you'll catch yourself listening to it later. Waiting um, through a window. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. How can you not want to listen to that? Yeah. Uh, this is this is also the same thing where it's like kind of a bland, what would otherwise be forgettable direct to streaming movie is saved by some quite good music. There's there's some very memorable numbers in here. So, yeah, yeah, I think the music is a big part of what works here. Yeah, the music um, definitely helps. 
Pops. Um, it's interesting. The music is um, pretty traditional show tune stuff in a lot of ways. Um, not yeah. that Pascal and Paul can't do that, but, you know, they did um, Greatest Showman, which is not traditional show tune That's stuff. That's very, very pop music type stuff. Doesn't Dear Evan even Hansen really... also, like, benefits from being, like, that, like, cribbing from the, like, certain style of, like, singer-songwriter soft pop. Um, yeah. You know, this th- this had numbers that felt more just like traditional show tunes. Yeah, um, big showstoppers with all, like, the, the dance numbers and everything. They even had tap in this movie, which was pretty surprising. Yeah, that was a... I would say that was probably one of the highlights, too. The, the um, if we're thinking about the same number, um, Good Afternoon, um, which has, yeah. like, tap and all of the dancing yeah. and stuff. That there has, was a little tap dancing in the intro. Too, there was, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Although but the, yeah, the like the, the intro one. and closing song, they're the same song, right? They were also um, pretty good. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so go going into the like one of my one of my biggest complaints about this movie is that it does not trust itself to be a musical. <laughs> it they like never do. It anymore. seems These it movies, seems like... om- almost embarrassed to be a musical at times, like. Every time a song starts up in this movie, you've got characters going like, why are they singing? Like, what? what is this? Oh, it's a musical. So songs happen. Look, like, it is the fucking post marvelification of everything. Like everything has to have like a snarky aside, like all the time. We can't yeah, just like be. And it's really jarring in this movie, which I feel like is. I was shocked by the moments of how earnest this movie was, given that it stars Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. I like really yeah. expected it to be like pure snark from start to finish. And there are moments where it's like extremely earnest and then they have to undercut it with like, like, Oh, we can't be that earnest. I'm like, these are the guys yeah. who wrote fucking Dear Evan Hansen, which is the most annoyingly earnest thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Exactly. Like, come on like <laughs> um yeah it's got a, it's got a serious emotional story behind it and it's a christmas carol of course it has a fucking serious emotional story yeah. behind it it's one of the most classic stories that we retell like oh god it yeah it's it's very bizarre that they i agree they they seem to not trust itself to be like just like be a musical um and that annoys me as somebody who likes musicals um I guess yeah, we both, we both like, like musicals here. It's like yeah, not, I like yeah. musicals, <laughs> uh, and and I, I I don't I don't agree with the idea that like I people do like musicals. You can see stuff like like uh, the Greatest Showman, which had a completely unexpected long run in theaters because people kept going back to see it. People like musicals. Yes, they they're not as old fashioned as they seem to be. But when you keep when you put it in your own movie that is a musical. The idea that people shouldn't like musicals. It's like, well, then what are we doing why, here? What are yeah, we doing? what are we even? Why am I even watching this? Right. Um. So that I think that overall was my biggest complaint about it. Like that, and like that also kind of ties into the general sense of humor of this movie, where it feels like it has to be kind of snarky, and like we can sort of draw a line between that and one of the stars of this film, it's Ryan Reynolds, it's Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds. It's snarky it's the, whole the way through. Deadpoolification of cinema. Um, everybody's breaking the third wall all the time. And it's like, we, we don't always need to do that. There's, there's a nice emotional story at the core of this. 
and you're dragging me out of it every time we have to like have some sort of annoying comment. So what it was doing is that Ryan Reynolds was bank like the movie was banking on just like the Ryan Reynolds of it all. Like they they didn't really because they didn't even go to the lengths. I mean, his character is pretty not great, but like they didn't make him like. Like, I think Scrooge is a worse character than Ryan Reynolds is in this movie. Like, and I was like, yeah. why, why, like, couldn't we have made him, like, less likable? Like, he's, like, immediately out the gate, impossibly charming. Even if he's an asshole sometimes, it's Ryan Reynolds and he's doing the Ryan Reynolds charm thing. Right. Like, but I, I do, I do think that's kind of the point, though, Sort of, but they should have still extent. made him some, like, they should have had him do some, like, the worst thing he does is not want to take a, a kid unexpectedly, which is, like shitty but like okay nobody fucking wants to take a kid unexpectedly like like that's not an abnormal react i mean that's a completely understandable reaction to have it's not like good but it's like i can look at that and be like that's not just some guy being an asshole that's some guy being afraid like that's not it's not the same thing like well um, well let's let's take a step back and explain the overall plot and Ryan Reynolds' right, character. So it's we've got Christmas Carol. So I, I yeah. was like, oh, everyone gets it, but we should. This probably. is the Christmas Carol, but it is a little different. And, it's a and twist. Part yeah. of part of how it's different is another thing that majorly annoys me. Uh, so we get like the start of the movie is like the end of a Christmas Carol. Well, not the very end, but like the the big climax, like the the ghost of Christmas future showing this woman who is like the, the main star of this other Christmas Carol story that we're going to see um, showing her, her grave and being like, yes, pointing, pointing like, this is you, this is where you're going to end up. And then like, she's like, no, like I'll be, I'll be good. I'll, I, I'll always remember to cherish Christmas or whatever. And then like, she's, she's doing the whole wake up in bed thing. But and like now she's in her suburbs and she's she's being nice to people when before she was like kind of like a crabby neighbor type person and now she's like playing with people and having fun and then it gets revealed that like this is all a simulation that like the ghosts have put together uh, to prove to her that like she can she can be good and to like save her and like so that that's all that they do like they, there's this this group of ghosts that like every year they pick somebody to redeem and they put them in a simulation with like Hollywood style sets and actors and stuff that, uh, that will create the perfect circumstances to redeem this unredeemable person. Well, not unredeemable, but because unredeemable is a loaded term in this. Unredeemable is a different thing that we'll get into, but to redeem this person who's like having a negative effect and that that will ripple outward and, and create goodness in the world. And like, so I'm like, well, this is an interesting concept that like Scrooge wasn't just like a, the, the story of Ebenezer Scrooge wasn't a one-off. Like this is something that's being done every year, but why do we have to do it as like a computer simulation? <laughs> why can't we just have ghosts with magic powers and the twist is just that the ghosts keep doing this and they're using their magic to create these visions for people. But it's got to be like a computer thing. And then that gives you a chance to make all these snarky jokes about Hollywood and like 
oh, like we're setting up the the scene in the hospital and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> I'm just like, why? Because it feels like the same thing with like the musical thing. It doesn't trust itself to be a movie about magic and ghosts. It has to be a movie about technology because that's what the audiences understand. We everybody likes technology these days. Like I don't like that one's a little more like okay maybe that's just the choice that they made but I feel like it was the wrong one I feel like I would have liked it more if it was just magic like Christmas the the Christmas Carol is like all about ghosts and magic and like spooky stuff and it's a little less spooky when it's all just a computer simulation I think I think what it was going for. Cause I kind of liked the scene transitions that like the way that they set it up kind of allowed for like, like be, it being sets. I did kind of actually like, like the visuals that of did, some of those transitions. That um, did work pretty well. Yeah. That, like that part of it. It, yes. it was kind of fun and it, it did at times make it feel like a stage show, um, which like it gave it that, you know, the way scenes have to transition on stage, which I, I thought was to its benefit as a movie that, musical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and also maybe just like a, a nod to being a musical, which obviously has a lot of origins on the stage. Um, um, yeah, yeah. so, um, <clears throat> but I also thought what it was really trying to do was like calling attention to like the idea that the, the whole thing is like artificial because one of the characters believes that people just don't change like the whole, the whole thing. Um, it's like, people don't change. So why, why are you doing this? This is all fake. And so by making it obviously fake, it's sort of like, well, yeah, people don't change. Like, this is fake. This, everything we're doing is fake to force you to change. How real is it if we have to force it? Um, mm. Not saying it always worked, but I think that's what they were going for. Um, okay. Um, it didn't, it didn't bother me idea. too much, um, that that aspect. I The whole thing that bothered me the most was that I just thought... I mean, it's the same thing that you're talking about. It's that the movie didn't know if it wanted to be like an earnest Christmas Carol story or if it wanted to be a Christmas Carol story that's making fun of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, as somebody who has read a Christmas Carol once a year for like a large chunk of his life, basically, since I've been like 12 years old, like, (laughs) I feel very strongly that a Christmas Carol is not a thing to make fun of. I think it's worth telling earnestly. Um, so I'm like, but like, if you're going to make fun of it, you know, go for it. Like, don't like sort of half-ass it. Don't be like earnest whenever Octavia Spencer's on screen, but like be snarky whenever Ryan Reynolds is on screen. Like, can we, yeah. can we pick one? Can we pick a lane to be in here? Um, so that's what really bothered me was that the movie just didn't seem certain of what it wanted to be. Um, you know, there, there was a way to do both of both sides of that. And, and have it land well. This movie didn't necessarily do it. It especially didn't do it because the voiceover at the start kind of gives away the, the ending. I was like, what are we doing? Like, like the, the Ryan Reynolds voiceover open gives away a lot. Like, <laughs> like that is then revealed as like kind of like a, oh, twist. And I'm like, wait, hold on. That doesn't make any that, sense. Like That's a classic, <laughs> a classic mistake of a movie that feels it has to over explain itself is including the voiceover at the beginning that gives away way too much way too quickly yeah i mean he says what happens he says (laughs) like i'm like this doesn't make any sense like i know what's gonna happen here this obvious like 
just so annoying um because it, it i feel like it didn't need to be that way um but yeah i mean there, there's also like a lot of fun happening in this movie um the um yeah the what's well, his face marley chains ghost whatever um he was he was great yeah, yeah he, was, he was jacob marley jacob marley he, he was really he's fun. played by um a guy who mostly uh, patrick page mostly does like stage musical stuff yeah he, he had some his scenes were really funny um i really liked them um i really against my better judgment thought tracy morgan as the ghost of christmas future was hilarious every time <laughs> he spoke i was dying um is the just his voice coming out of that was hilarious it was so funny like i, I the, so like he he's looks like the traditional ghost of christmas future like big menacing character but then it's got tra- every like the reason he doesn't speak is because cl- he's got Tracy Morgan's voice. Right. Every exactly. He, every time he speaks, you can't take him seriously. Um, and he, his um, the body part is played by a professional basketball player. Yes. Yeah. I found that funny. Like yeah. he doesn't he's never done any other acting. It's just like they got a basketball player to wander to, around. In that seven outfit. feet tall. Could to, you imagine to getting paid one... to just walk around in that outfit and like point? That'd be so fucking awesome. <laughs> That would be a great um, job. Yeah. Um, Benefits of being seven feet tall. Yeah. So um, good. Um, yeah. Uh, and Will Ferrell's character is the ghost of Christmas present. And he believes that he can redeem anyone. But he, he's got like kind of the classic problem of any Christmas movie. And the, like he feels like a bit of ennui. He's like, we do this every year. He's He's got like the Jack Skellington problem. He is. He's got, like, he's Jack Skellington. You're co- do totally right. <laughs> like we do this every year, but somehow like it feels empty. Like I want more. I feel like we can do more than this. Oh my God. And he's so, like Ariel and Jack Skellington. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> he's got, he's got that, that thing that he's looking for. So like, like that's why I feel like his, his character is, is central to this. And it is. And like, his character is, is the most relatable because very relatable. Ryan Reynolds character doesn't let you in. Um, and I'm not trying to bash Ryan Reynolds. I quite like Ryan Reynolds. I think he's very funny. I think he's also, God knows it. One of the reasons I managed to will myself to put on this movie was like, I get to look at Ryan Reynolds for like two hours. That's like not <laughs> a not bad, bad, bad not thing bad. to have yeah. to do. Um, so, um, you know, I, you know, I, I like him, but like his character is not particularly like he doesn't let you in at all and like you you kind of gotta do that for a movie i mean there are moments because ryan reynolds is a good actor and he can do it it's just that he's been so they've so drilled him into this deadpool role where he just has to be like snarky and kind of like cold all the time like Mm -hmm. it's like and they do that here and it's, it's annoying you know I can't imagine Ryan Reynolds is super happy with it. I mean, he did free, uh, free guy. He, you know, he doesn't want to just be that guy the whole time. He wants to be a, an overly earnest guy too. Sometimes. Um, um, was it free guy? Is that the name of the movie? Um, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The one yeah, where he's he in was, the computer he was, game. Yeah. Th- I mean, that was a generally snarky movie, but his character was more like earnest and funny and silly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he wants to do other stuff. Let him do other stuff. He doesn't have to be like an asshole snarky guy the whole time um, with a heart of gold at the end of the day. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I do feel like he was having fun with this. He was, one, he was yeah, having fun. Do he also got to like sing and dance. Yeah. I think he liked um, that. <laughs> I think so. 
Um, got to do his best newsies impression. Um, <laughs> there was yeah, there was definitely some newsies. And and then then the like the Charles Dickens impression, the Dame Judy Dench cameo. That was hilarious. Oh my God. That was so fucking funny. Completely um, unexpected. That yeah. was very random. I wish she had been in her cat's outfit, but um... <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, no. Let's not. Let's I would have cried. I would have like had to turn uh... off the movie immediately. Um Um, all right yeah um so yeah so will ferrell you know he he wants more out of this whole saving people thing um and when he gets sent out on their assignment to like scout the next person uh he happens to run across ryan reynolds who is like a, a media consultant type who's like informing politicians and stuff how to make a a big scandal and like get attention and stuff and like yeah he's just he's, he's, he's manufacturing a very, scandals is what he's doing. yes he's, manufacturing he's, scandals is his big thing um he's all about like digging up political dirt on people that kind of guy yeah. um yeah just like real scum of the earth and, and a very like of the moment type villain you know not just like a classic um not just like a classic like oh this guy is uh not like, giving soup oh, to children yeah, yeah yeah exactly he's like he's kicking the orphans or whatever like this guy is spreading information to like shape <laughs> shape reality around you so that like that is very very current and, and like a nice update to like the the version of what this film scrooge is yeah um i did so, yeah like, i also liked that it was in new york um not to of course you know. of course you gotta, you gotta <laughs> um, have it in new york um uh very so, modern. so that um, Will Ferrell sees that as a challenge, and uh, but Ryan Reynolds' character has been deemed unredeemable by the like whatever powers be in this universe. But Will but Ferrell, for some I mean, reason, come on, come on! In the grand scheme of people who are unredeemable, yeah, it's like come uh, on. I mean, he I finds some political dirt. He's a pretty nasty guy, but I like he's not like murdering people like there's surely worse people out there yeah but and they do bring that up in the movie like ryan reynolds is like well why me like come on there's got to be worse people out there than me but i think part of this is also that will ferrell knows he's not really unredeemable that there is a core of goodness to him of course Um, yeah i mean that's the whole point is that the idea of unredeemability is is like the idea of somebody being unredeemable, the movie believes is bullshit. The movie believes yeah. that nobody is unredeemable. I think that is obviously a point here. I mean, they're wise to not pick, you know, they're wise to not let Will Ferrell go after like a 16 time serial killer, but like, <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but still like, yeah, it's just a strange thing because like, we don't see Ryan Reynolds do anything that bad for most of the runtime yeah like mostly he's Um, just like i mean honestly i've lived in new york for five years he's just like a new york dick like it's just like (laughs) i don't know what to tell you you run into these people all the time i see these people cut in front of me at the coffee line like i don't know what like that's just like life like i wouldn't call that guy unredeemable i'd say he's he's self-important like yeah um ryan reynolds does some bad things in this movie you know he like i said he manufactures scandal so he ruins people's lives Unfortunately, I think he, I mean, he ruins people's lives who's, they're probably bad people. They're like senators. So like, come on, <laughs> like, <laughs> let's be real about this. They're, 
they're they're United States senators. Are yeah, they, they do they do have to. Like, how many go of them are good? Like to not not show him doing anything too directly evil. Yes, like, of being course. Like yeah. let's let's pollute the Everglades. I mean, or the something. one thing that they show him doing is, of course, encouraging somebody to do something that leads to the death of someone. Um, yeah, and that is pretty egregiously bad. I mean, well, he's, he's bullying a fucking yeah, child. Yeah, he's encouraging. He's encouraging uh, his niece to uh, to dig up dirt on her political opponent in like a class government race, the eighth and grade the class government race. And the dirt <laughs> they dig up is from two years prior, so it was a sixth grade thing. Um, and as as the kid that they dig up dirt on is named Josh. I gotta say, I felt kinship and I felt hurt. <laughs> Justice uh, for Josh. Justice for Josh. Hashtag. Uh, Josh gets justice. So it's okay. Um, <clears throat> um, yeah. So, you know, it's just an interesting. Um, you know what's really interesting about this movie? It's set in New York. Um, and I, I'm not. I don't mean to whine. <laughs> you don't say. You don't I don't say. mean to whine. But when Ryan Reynolds is having a party at his apartment, the views are clearly from Dumbo in Brooklyn. And then he's like. <laughs> <laughs> then he's like, my my sister's daughter is 12 blocks from here. It won't take us long to get there. And they go to fucking Times Square. That's not 12 blocks from Brooklyn. You f- <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? Oops. Oops. It drove me up. Like, it made me insane. I was like, what the? Like, oh, my God. Um, but like, clearly right. they needed they needed Dumbo for the good views. Yes. Um. Cause like that's that what happens. The... Cause like that's when um, Octavia Spencer and Will Ferrell go out and they take their walk, and you can see Manhattan in the background yeah. across the river. It's like they're clearly in Dumbo at that moment, right outside the party. Unless they left the party and went to Brooklyn, <laughs> walked to Brooklyn, <laughs> walked from Times Square to Brooklyn for some reason. Um, yeah. Well, this is far from the first film to uh, play creatively with New York geography. Yeah. I just uh, love the, yeah. also the idea that anyway, the idea that, cause I think the implication would be that actually Ryan Reynolds character just lives near Times Square is what they're trying to say. Nobody of that stature is living near Times Square. That's a ridiculous concept. They're living on some somewhere much quieter than that. Um, but well, you're dragging a certain Times Square resident that we know now. <laughs> no, wait, I'm not trying to drag anyone. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, but Ryan Reynolds, um, I do want to give him big credit for basically saving this movie. Um, the like the beginning of this movie really drags. Like it takes so long for anything like interesting to happen, and part of it is except for that like, opening do... musical number. I thought yeah, that was the really musical fun. number. Yeah. The musical number is is really good, but like part of the problem is they have a bunch of like front loaded musical numbers when like nothing is happening, and they they actually like I don't even know if they did this intentionally, like if it was part of the script or they ended up doing this. But there's a a Will Ferrell song that gets cut. Like it gets, he gets cut off when he's about to sing a song and yes. they end up putting it in the credits. And I'm like, did they do that because they realized how long the opening to this movie is? I don't know, but it feels like a good choice. Cause like this movie really drags up until like Ryan Reynolds first musical number when he shows up at the, uh, like the, the meeting of the union of Christmas tree growers, which is so funny <laughs> to, uh, to pitch them a strategy on how to sell more Christmas trees. And he has like a big, like music man style, like, 
song and dance con man uh number there which absolutely brings the house down yeah it slaps um, that music number and slaps. that's the moment where i'm like all right yeah now we're doing something now we're that's having the, fun the other side of of this of this movie that's like yes. the, yeah we're here yeah, now yeah. we're doing it um it's really good i really like that number uh that is also when i was like okay i'm sitting up i'm here now um drinking my little brandy milk punch that's like yeah um <laughs> I liked that. Um, I don't think I, I mean, has Ryan Reynolds done a musical before? Am I going crazy? I feel like I didn't know that he could do this. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I also didn't know I Octavia gotta, Spencer. <laughs> like some of the, some of the singing in this is a little questionable. Oh, sure. I, yeah, absolutely. I like, I've heard a lot of complaints over the years about auto tune being used in musicals and I've never really noticed it. But in this one, I was like, oh, I can tell that they're they're using software to correct the pitches. But sometimes uh, they didn't because sometimes people didn't sound good. <laughs> That's the only time <laughs> it either sounds too good or not good. Yeah, like, like there yeah. were I mean, no offense to any of the people I just referenced, but like there's like moments where Octavia Spencer does not sound particularly good. Um, and I was like, what are we doing? Um, Will Ferrell yeah. also had some moments. Um Mm-hmm. but he i think i knew that he could sing so i feel like he mostly did yeah. do okay um like well, we we saw him sing in yeah. uh uh eurovision yes the, um the so like fire saga. I, yeah so like he obviously has been like more trained on that um but like they're like especially like in like intros to songs there are times where like octavia spencer doesn't do the like the build-up to actually singing like the classic like musical you're like half talking half singing yeah the Some speaking of those into singing yeah the transition can be a bit rough at several if points you're not in this movie. yeah if and if if you're somebody who's not trained in doing that it's kind, yeah. it's difficult to pull off it's not easy um so um yeah but then there are moments where yeah it does sound too good <laughs> um, it's like can we uh can we pick one here um um i mean it's better than fucking lame is um <laughs> yeah the live singing uh, um <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that's like kind of the 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 counter example of when live singing i mean i would honestly say far. that in terms of um like overproduced musical singing Pasek and paul have the the other one that is overproduced which is the greatest showman it's just like produced like off the shits like out the wazoo. yeah <laughs> out the wazoo uh, thank you yes yeah well that that's the one that it feels like every time a song starts up you're just listening to a pop song like they oh it is that's just like pop music yeah they're yeah. very much uh they don't even really try with the whole transition yeah this one this one. one felt more classic and that it did did try to transition into songs and like i mean i personally like when musicals have like spoken interludes and music and like go back and forth like that's one of my favorite things um Mm -hmm. but um Mm -hmm. so i i appreciated that it did that actually but um yeah so singing was interesting in this um it was just yeah i don't know the musical element of it was interesting because you would go like long stretches without any reference to the fact that it's musical like and i'd be like we've got to like we've got to intersperse this better we've got to like do something here we can't just like go like long moments without any music this is a musical we've got a you can't be half a musical and half not a musical we can't do this um of course this movie didn't know if it wanted to be a musical so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah if only they if they just committed a little harder commit to um, the bit that is our that, number one rule <laughs> you gotta be in whole hog um 
so yeah, I, I don't want to get too too into like covering everything that happens in this movie because like we've probably spent far too much time <laughs> covering this movie as it is. But uh, you we know, always spend the most say, time on movies we both have strong <laughs> reservations about. This is like very typical for this. us. <laughs> it's so yeah, the, like the basic gist of it is yeah, Ryan Reynolds is going to be the one who gets led through the Christmas Carol style series of ghosts and trials and whatever. Um, and he does, but he's not, he's not as easy a customer of it as Scrooge is. Uh, he, he gets in the way a lot of times he flips the script. He makes it confusing. I think it's actually pretty fun the way that he, his character it is, yeah, uh, yeah. switches things up. It, it's nice. It, like he's not making it easy for them and they're really struggling. And that, that makes, uh, Will Ferrell's bit like so much stronger that he's like really fighting to make this happen. And like there's a bit of a twist later on when we figure out why it is that he's so committed to the idea that nobody's unredeemable. Yeah. You know uh, what? I liked that twist, by the way. I liked, yeah. um, I liked some, of, I liked how they incorporated the original story and things like that into this. I thought it was really, really well done. And that, and that's the real emotional core of the movie. You know, you can see and Ryan Reynolds figures this out. He figures out why it is that, um, that Will Ferrell it feels like he's sort of lost in this world. Why he, he is starting to have doubts about what it is they're doing. If they're really making a big enough impact. Um, and, and I like that. Like th- there's, there's this whole story here about like, uh, do you ever really know if, if you're redeemed, if you're a good person now, um, can you like, how, how easy is it to just slip back into your old ways and, and say, fuck it and give up on trying to be a good person. Yeah. But like once upon a time answered that question already, like we could all go watch (laughs) that show. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Yeah. But if we want to just see it in two hours, this is that story. Um, But yeah, like that's what I, that's one of the things that I like the most about the movie. First, first of all, the songs, but second of all, that it has like a real emotional core to it, that it, and and it like, it does tell its own story outside of, the Christmas Carol. It's like, you know, the Christmas Carol is all a story about redemption and how like you can be a good person, even if you've been a bad person before, but this is like, okay, but then, then what, like, how do you stay on that path? How do you like wake up every day and keep being a good person and like making the right changes and choices in your life? That's interesting. That's more complex. And that's like a real moral struggle. So I, I feel like that actually makes the movie like pretty complex and deep for what it is. Yeah. Um, I wish it had leaned more into that. I wish it had explored that better. You know what I mean? But um, yes, I do appreciate that that was there. Um, I mean, overall, I think I liked this movie more than I disliked it. Um, yeah. I've, I've got that's... my musical goggles on a little bit because I just like musicals. I'm very inclined to like them. Um, you definitely get bumped up a star just for being a musical. Right. You know? Yeah. As long as um, it's not like a terrible musical. Yeah, as it, long as the songs are in our friend good. group. If you get if you're a musical, it's like, well, you're doing well. Um, you're you're on the right track. You're you're on route to becoming a fixation. So watch out. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, and I have caught myself singing these songs after that. I will that is what definitely convinced listening. me that we had to cover it on this podcast. I will definitely listen to good afternoon. Um, I think that is good like the showstopper. Um, it's fun. That's like, that's the song that plays when uh, Ryan Reynolds is kind of convincing Will Ferrell that he can be a little bad. And he's doing and his he like can... Oliver twist accent. 
Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, I'm just going to do a really bad British accent for it's this so song. Funny. You're just going to so live funny. with it. It's really it's like good. That. It's re- that's a really good. That that whole scene where they're like in that era is very, very fun. That's a very good moment. Um, very fun. Um, and like the closing and opening number, those are that's the other big, like good song. Um, yeah. The song that did get cut and ends up in the credits, uh, Ripple. The well, I don't know what the actual title is. Ripple is the one that got mm-hmm. cut. I think it was called that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that is really good. That's the one that I've like, <laughs> I've got stuck in my head now. And and they they do a pretty good job. Like they don't just play it during the credits. They have like a whole song and dance number that plays during the credits, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they got some crazy choreography in there, like people dancing in water. Overall, I mean, this movie did go. I mean, unlike other like half-assed movie musicals, this movie did go all out for the musical numbers. It didn't like it didn't you know it didn't skimp on some of them. You know, the big ones they're big. Um, and I appreciate. Oh, we can. We compare this to Dear Evan Hansen, which does like a whole lot of nothing a lot of the okay, time. But Dear Evan ha- okay, but during the songs. But Dear Evan Hansen, so this is the thing about like the way Pasek and Paul have done a lot of the musicals. Dear Evan Hansen is not music that's written to be like big dance numbers. It's just not. Uh, what are you going to do? Have a big dance number to um? what's the one song that. um um. You will be found. You, yeah, that one. What are you gonna do? Have a big dance number to that? You can't do that. That's ridiculous. Like, come on. Yeah, I know. I, I just think that that sort of thing maybe works a little better on the stage than it does on the screen. I don't know. Yeah, no, it does because it gets kind but, of boring to watch on screen. It's like, what am I yeah, looking at? <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta. You gotta you gotta fill some like because you've got the visual element and the sound. You've got to fill the space. You're, even... You're not just feeling. Yeah, you you know. Um, so I do feel like that that sort of thing that like that's part of why Dear Evan Hansen as a film kind of fell flat. Yeah, that's bit. one reason. There's the other big reason, and that's Ben Platt. But like, um, <laughs> you know, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? But this, yeah, like they 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 did go all out. As much as we've said, like that the the movie has its own doubts about whether it should be a musical. They did go all out for staging the musical number. When they want to uh, do a big musical it. number, they do it. Um, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. Even like so. like Octavia Spencer's like solo number, like they do a good job of staging it and, and making it big. Um so yeah. they can Yeah, I like that I like that they've got got her like pacing back and forth, her like, you know, convinced that like this is gonna be it. Like I'm gonna make the change and stop like being a bad person and doing this horrible job. And like, you can see her losing her conviction as she makes that walk over to her boss's office. I wish they, I wish they'd like, I just feel like every time Octavia Spencer came on screen, they were like, it's time to be a serious, earnest movie now. And I was like, all right, like we could let her be like funny and sarcastic too. Like if we're going to have that vibe, like we could do that with her too. She can do that. I've seen ma. She can do whatever the fuck she wants to do. Like <laughs> Octavia Spencer can be in whatever kind of movie she wants. Yeah. To do, right? <laughs> um, like you don't need to make her be like, I feel like she is the most pigeonholed character here. Like they've just been like, well, it's Octavia Spencer. She has to be like serious and earnest and emotional. And it's like, we could like also just like let her have fun. We could do that. She's very capable. That's true. Like, yeah. Um, um, cause she's, a, she actually has a, great range and is a lot of fun to watch on screen when people just let her but ever since the help they've just forced her to do 
Mm-hmm. Certain types Don't of make rolls. your drink alone. Uh, yeah, I know. We need Ma too. That's what we need. I think Ma too would save cinema if we could. Still waiting for it. Yeah. Yes. We need. We need to know what happens next. Well, you know. <laughs> um, but oh god, I should rewatch Ma. That should just be like my. I should do that on New Year's Eve. That should be my first movie of the year. Is <laughs> Ma take off the New Year right with Ma? With Ma. Although we all know, I'll kick off the New Year with the one movie that I kick off New Year's with now. Um, so. It's Rock of Ages. Let's all be clear uh, about that. <laughs> well, you kick off everything with that, so that's what? fair enough. No, no way. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, in general, yeah. though, you know another thing that I didn't like about this movie? They didn't have a big just Christmas song. What the fuck was that about? It's a Christmas musical. Could we not just have one Christmas song? But Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it kind of goes with the general themes of Christmas. Like, you know, Christmas is a time where you you think about like whether you're on the right path and, yeah, like, and I mean, what matters to you most in life. And you think about family and you think about, you know, the people close to you. But and obviously it's tied into a Christmas carol. Of course. I mean, but, yeah. And visually and story wise, this is obviously a Christmas movie, but it's a musical. They had a chance to like put out like a Christmas song. That also probably would have been good for marketing purposes, and they just yes. didn't do that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did like the the Christmas party that Ryan Reynolds was throwing, uh, where everybody was like dressed as a different Christmas themed character, yes. which I thought was awesome. I liked when like, Will Ferrell wanna... has to interact with the elf. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a guy there dressed like his character from Elf. He's like, oh, I hate that costume. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you that look was... stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That was funny. Um, uh, yeah, I want to go to a party like that where people dress up for Christmas, but all not right, well, just all like you have to do is ruin some sweaters. senators' lives. Um, okay, yeah, let's do. Not it. a tall yeah. order, honestly. Uh, I have some senators' <laughs> lives I wouldn't mind ruining. Yeah, yeah, I'd be fine with that. Okay, let's do it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree that I overall I say I liked the movie more than I disliked it. <laughs> there were definitely parts that I disliked. But it's a fun watch. You know, it definitely will get you in the Christmas spirit. And I but feel like, like if you really want a Christmas carol, generally a crowd, you should watch the Muppets one. Like just watch yeah. the Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's always going to be the best version. That's the one. That's the one for us all. This doesn't really this doesn't really stand in for a Christmas carol. This is more like fanfic written about a Christmas oh God, carol. That's so good. This is archive of our own Christmas carol. It feels like that at times. It's like, well, what happens to all these ghosts after the movie? Like, yes, okay, you're right, sure. right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I recommend it. What's if that? You're, especially if you like musicals. That, that Disney Channel original main... movie about the ghosts. Um, it was a Halloween movie though, and they like work in like a ghost. I don't know, like registry. What's that movie called? That's what it made me think of, and I can't—I can't remember. But anyway, um, it's like I was gonna say it's like the Christmas answer to that, but um, <laughs> a ghost registry. That's yeah, I can't remember what it was called. Mm. Um, but whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. But it's like fine. It's like a fine movie. If you have Apple TV, watch it. You know, don't sign up to watch it though. <laughs> yeah, so you can get a free trial or something. Right. Exactly. Apple TV does like unless you're gonna watch Ted Lasso. Like there's there's not a lot on there. Uh, well, you could go watch Academy Award winner I was a, Coda. I was about to say that. No, um, <laughs> I'll just say hello, the Best Picture winner. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, yeah, yeah. Go watch that too. Go watch the best picture um, winner Coda, which obviously deserved or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, it, it's fun. It, it it definitely gets you in the Christmas spirit. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah, I feel I feel like this is a good way. We're kicking off the Christmas season. Uh, oh, I wanted to. Uh, it's going to be like one minute here. I wanted to tie this episode into both Christmas and Halloween. Oh, do it. So I want to mention that right after Halloween, I went to see the 3D re-release of Dawn of the Dead. Ooh. And I was the only person in the theater. <laughs> but man, was that a fun time. Like, first of all, that's an awesome movie. But the 3D was so good. I mean, there's that whole scene at the beginning with like the SWAT team raiding the apartment building. Uh, and you get to see a man's head explode in 3d. It is like, <laughs> it is the best thing I've ever seen in a 3d movie. <laughs> it's so <Nice>. good. <laughs> like, I was just like, I saw it and I actually like yelled. In the <laughs> I was like, Whoa, <laughs> that was awesome. I love that. It was so it was so good. Like uh and the effects are really great in that movie and they look even better in 3D. Like they they did a good job on the 3D conversion for that movie because obviously it was not shot for 3D. Right. But uh they did a good job. It was that was a lot of fun. That's awesome. So, so that's that's our Halloween tie-in. We've got we're bridging the gap here. Uh, we hope you're doing good at home, getting ready to get into the holiday season. And we'll be bringing you more holiday stuff this season Ooh, coming up. More holiday stuff. Well, we know we have to cover at least one holiday movie. So I guess that's true. Um, yeah. Hmm. Night Before Christmas 2 win. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, until next time, you can find us on all the major platforms. I've been adding a bunch recently. So we should really be everywhere now. If you can't find us on your favorite platform, please let us know. But, you know... Apple, Spotify, Google, all the regular ones. You can find us there. Um, it's irregular, you, though. Who's to say? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. I mean, if you're on your regular platform, please uh, consult your doctor. But um, <laughs> you can email us at buzzdownmovies at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter while that site still exists uh, at buzzdownmovies. Yeah, Ed Norton might take it down. So it's hard. Yeah. To Ed, Ed, Ed Norton might, might pull the plug at any time. So. Um, until then, uh, we'll see you at the movies. We sure will see you at the movies or at the Christmas Ghost Administrative Bureau. Who's to say? <laughs> <laughs>